Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Wow, so beautiful Thursday afternoon here in Joey's. The month of October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And in fact, the 13th of October was very specific about it being Metastatic Breast Cancer Awareness Day. So our cancer warrior today has MBC Metastatic Breast Cancer. She's going to be sharing her story with us. Um, and once again, just a story of, of courage and, um, and wonderful discoverings like learning about Pilates and, um, and the amazing community. So I have Ashley Longuera. She's a daughter, a wife, a mom, an interior designer, and she's a fighter of MBC on the show. Ashley, welcome. And thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for having me. Wow. So I was driving the other day and I saw these, because as you can hear, I'm quite obsessed with the beautiful jacarandas. And I saw some of the jacarandas were wrapped in pink fabric. And I actually didn't know what it was until I started to find out a little bit more about you and do a little bit more research. There's a reason for the pink fabric, Ashley. What, what is that reason? Yeah. So, um, there is a reason for it. And I think for the month of October, it was, important that people realize that it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month and that wrapping the trees in pink was just something that I came across um, quite a few years ago and I decided that maybe we need to bring it back into Johannesburg as you said the jacarandas start blooming and we have beautiful pink ribbons around the trees um, and we can then remember that it is Breast Cancer Awareness and when you're in the car and you're driving past it you can Check your breast. So, so that's really it. So the, the breast cancer awareness is saying, just do the, you know, the early detection is what this is all about. Um, and to be present and to be mindful. So was that what it was like for you, Ashley? Because I know that if we go back to, I think it was 2015, it started off, you had this little pea sized lump in your breast. Were you one to regularly check your breast? Is that how you felt this, this tiny little lump? Yeah, it was exactly that. Um, I used to constantly do examinations in the shower and one day I came across, um, this little tiny pea size that I hadn't felt before. And I was like, hmm, this is new. I haven't normally felt this. And I kept checking it. And, um, my daughter was about one and a half and I went off to the gynae and he just said, you know, it's just a milk duct and it's, you know, nothing serious. Put me on some medication and, um, off I went and, I kept feeling it and I kept checking it and I said to him, no, something's not right. And then they went and I had a sonar and they looked and they tried to find it and they couldn't find it. And then they had said to me, you know, come back in, in the new year. We'll, you know, do another scan. And because I was only 32 years old, um, a mammogram was not something that you would do at 32. Sure. Um, so, you know, in the January when I came back, you know, I think his, his facial expression said to me, oh, this is something more. And um, I decided to then go and get a second opinion. And um, within a few weeks, we actually had an answer that it was um, breast cancer. Now, you had quite a journey. I mean, I'm just looking at, I don't know if it's your blog or your journal, um, but you said on the 18th of May, 2017, 450 days from finding out I was done with my last trip. And you say here, 52 needles, 
30 drips, 32 days of radiation, four biopsies, two V markers, 25 hours waiting, 129 hours with a drip in, two MIRSs, five ultrasounds, 12 different doctors, four hours in surgery. So that was the journey from that 2015 when you first felt that lump to May 2017, as you said, with the last drip. What was that experience like for you? You know, it was a roller coaster of emotions. I think, you know, when you first find out that you've got breast cancer, it's like you don't know what to do. You sort of, you sort of like, what should I do? I don't know what I should do. And they sort of give you little bits and pieces. You know, first thing is we're going to do chemo. And then when you get through chemo and you start like, getting used to chemo, they say to you, okay, well, then you're going to have surgery. And then once you've done surgery, no, after that, we're going to do some radiation. And like every step of the way, you're just constantly going through these these paths and these journeys. And um, when I started documenting everything of my journey, it was more to just keep family, friends up to date on what was happening. And I sort of started to become more into writing. And the more I wrote, the more I felt that I didn't feel like I was alone. I felt like if I could say my part and I could help someone else, you know, to, to do what they need to do, um, in checking their breasts, getting a second opinion if need be, it was a road that I was starting to travel. Um, and it was getting to that end of that hurdle when I was cleared of cancer, it was just like this huge relief. And it was like, now it's just constant checkups. Every three months you see the doctor, you do what you need to do. Um, and that was the path that I carried on going. So mm-hmm. even though the journey ended there, it was still seeing the oncologist every three months to have an injection, to do bloods, to check how things are looking. And it still carried on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I talk to people all the time who have to go for that, that scan, that checkup. Um, not knowing, you know, what, what the outcome will be. So it's living with that, maybe a little bit of dread or doubt or the not knowing. I mean, how do you, how did you manage that over the, I think it was the five years? How was that? Cause I know you were very good with checking in and going for all your checkups. Yeah. I, you know, I was very good with going to see the doctor. You obviously in the back of your mind that when you go for your checkup, you've got that constant things sitting at the back of you going, you know, yeah. what happens if it's this time that some, the, you know, the, the bloods are going to be incorrect. Um, and you constantly live in sort of like a fear. Um, mm-hmm. And you're just constantly going on this treadmill and you're sort of going, going, going. Um, and sometimes we all get a little bit lackadaisy and we sort of say, well, things are looking good. If I, you know, if I skip this one, maybe it will be fine. And, and it's not the case. It's going all the time, checking in. And just being on top of it, you know, um, a lot of moms that I've spoken to have said, oh, they went for a mammogram last year. They don't need to go one for this year. And I was like, but why? You should. Every year you should go. Mm. You know, if that's if if you've got breast cancer that's in your family, you need to have checkups. You need to self-check yourself. So every October, when you know it's breast cancer awareness, you check, check, check. And I literally say in the shower is the best part to check. The skin is soft. You check yourself while you're washing and then you go, okay, there's nothing new. I'm fine. Um, yeah. have your regular um, mammogram. And it was, for me, it was a journey. And when we got to 2020, I, um, missed my checkup in the beginning of December. Um, and I booked to go and see him on the fourth 
And in between that time, the wheels fell off. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. And as you said, I know that you were on these injections for five years. And as you said, you know, you go back and it's clear and thank God. And you want to get on with your life, right? You want to just put it behind you. And as you say, you missed out one checkup. And was it New Year's 2020 when you just felt awful? It was actually Boxing Day. It was Christmas and then Boxing Day the next morning I woke up. And obviously I thought, oh, Christmas, you know, I'm a bit tired from Christmas and, you know, we had big lunch and, you know, had a few glasses of wine. And um, the next day I felt just awful. And I'd been already speaking with um, my GP who had been doing tests because I'd been saying to her, I don't feel great. I, you know, I'm tired. I'm this, I'm that. And I phoned her and I just said to her, something was not right. And she said to me, please just go to the hospital. And I said to her, you know, I can't. It's the, the third wave of COVID is on us. I said, if I go there, you know, I'm high risk. She said, just go. And, um, yeah, it was Boxing Day that they literally turned around and said, please, can you contact your oncologist? Um, it looks like you've got cancer in your liver. Oh, sure. <sighs> Ashley, wow. I've just got to take a deep breath just hearing that. Stay yeah. where you are. We're going to take a quick break and then we want to carry on um, because, you know, there is a difference between uh, breast cancer and then the next stage, which is metastatic when it has metastasized. So this is the DL Link Show. I'm Nikki Seberini, and this is the show where we connect you with um, all sorts of incredible insights and information and illumination. We always have these illuminating guests and people who are walking, as I said, starting off. Everyone's got their own journey. Everyone's trying their best. Um, yeah, we bring you really inspiring and incredible people and some people who are just doing, you know, you're facing the challenges that, that, that thrust their ways. And, and one of those is on the show today, Ashley Longaria. She's a daughter, wife, mom, interior designer and fighter of MBC. We're talking about metastatic breast cancer. Ashley, have I been pronouncing your surname correctly? Longueria or Longueria? Uh, Longueria, yeah. Longueria. What a lovely, lovely surname, Ashley. So just before the break, I said, you know, there's breast cancer, and that's what you were diagnosed with in 2015. And then there's metastatic breast cancer. Um, Maybe you can just explain to our listeners, like, what what is the difference? What is metastatic breast cancer? Um, So basically, metastatic breast cancer is where it's basically spread beyond where it's originally started so obviously when I was diagnosed in 2015 I had um, a lump in my breast which had spread into the lymph nodes um, and we did a lumpectomy and we had that removed and I was put into the clear Um, and metastatic means that it's come back in a new position so it's still breast cancer but it's decided to find a new home somewhere else so Mm -hmm. my one had decided to find a new home in my liver um, as well as um, my spine and um, in lymph nodes in the abdomen. Sure. So it basically means it's moved to a new location now. Sure. And so, Ashley, it's, as you say, it's the third wave. People who are going into hospital are completely isolated. You can't have visitors. You can't. I mean, life is turned upside down because of COVID. And now here you are. Your life has been turned completely upside down with the diagnosis of lung cancer. You have metastatic breast cancer. Liver cancer. Liver. Yeah. What did I say? Sorry. 
lung, lung, lung. Apologies, apologies. Liver cancer. So, Ashley, how? What was the process? Did you go straight for treatment? Did you stay in hospital? What happened with your family? Maybe you can just explain. Um, yeah, what, what, how everything transpired. So, I think from Boxing Day, I mean, we we went home. We had called um, Donald Gordon. We had obviously asked for the doctor to contact us urgently, which the next day um, my oncologist phoned me straight away. Um, they booked me into Donald Gordon um, right away, um, which I then had to isolate in the COVID ward um, first for two days and do obviously COVID tests um, every 24 hours. Um, and I think that's also made my reality of how the hospital was looking because it was in the midst of all the what was going on and people weren't seeing um, what was happening um, with the nurses and all of that. So that was a bit of an eye opener for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but as they did, um, I think it was about the second or third day, they did a, a liver biopsy um, and the doctor had said to me that they had gotten the results back, but they were waiting for the pathology report and um, that's, in January, um, the doctor will obviously call me and I'll obviously see him. Um, and I'd said to them, you know, I can't, I don't want to wait. I mean, it's, I know it's a few days, but, you know, I want to know what it is. Um, yeah. And she said to me, it looks like your breast cancer has metastasized to your liver um, and it is cancerous. So I think I was on my own. You couldn't have anybody in with you. I spent five days in hospital on my own receiving all of this information um, and trying to obviously process it, um, which was a journey on its own, which I think made me stronger because when it came to actually hearing the words from the oncologist, um, I was a lot more stronger than I thought I would be. Um, and, yeah, soon after that, we we saw the oncologist and um, we started treatment, oh, I think it was at the end of January we started with chemo. Um, and I was again on that chemo train again. Um, it was like it was all starting again. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter now was obviously seven and, um, she got to shave my hair all off. Um, and mm-hmm. we did a, a whole video, um, on that. Um, and I think it was a journey that I wanted to have my entire family part of. It's something that you can't do on your own. Um, a lot of people hide it, and I, I don't understand why they want to hide it. For me, I just want to, you know, encourage it, help others. And it was exactly the same with this Pink Power project that I just decided to get involved in and start running, was I wanted people to be able to talk um, because people are so scared of the word cancer. Um, and you've just got to, on this journey, go along um and yes, there's ups and downs. I had a year of treatment that worked and then all of a sudden the treatment stopped working and my count started to go up and I started to get really sick and then I started a new treatment and then I started to feel better. And so it's a journey that you go along with obviously having metastatic breast cancer is there's different treatments that you've got to try. Um, being this, it's treatment forever for me. Um, this is just what my journey is. Every three weeks you go in for treatment. Um, And as I was going along this, my phobia with needles became more and more and more and more and more. And I actually sat the one day and said, right, I'm going to go do a port. And I mean, from 2015, when I never even thought about a port, I said to myself, I've got to do it now. And it was probably the best thing I ever did 
um, it was now my friend and needles became the anxiety of needles just disappeared. Um, and that was one thing that I felt that people needed to realize that you don't need to be poked with a hundred needles. Go and get a port. You know, yeah. it, it saves the heartache. It saves the emotions. It saves looking for veins and trying to, um, figure out where we're going to put the needle today. I mean, I was emling my whole arm to make it numb because I wasn't certain where the needle was going to go. Um, mm. and the port made that anxiety disappear. Um, mm. and when you're going through this treatment, you become, you're lying in bed all the time. You have treatment and you take two days and you lie in bed and your body's sore and you don't get up. And that's when I found the love for Pilates because my Pilates lady used to say to me, get up, just come. Let's just stretch. It's not mm. a hard workout. It's just moving the body. And I see her every week now. And even the days that I'm not feeling great and I say to her, oh, I just don't feel like coming. She's like, come, let's just stretch. Um, get the body moving. And I sort of found this love for this movement in that the body can move um, and you can actually feel better. Um, and that's why one day I just woke up and I said, it's October. Let's wrap our trees in pink. And I think my thing is when I Googled and I searched to find other people that were going through this journey, I couldn't find a lot of people. I found a lot of people overseas but I couldn't find local people. And for me, I felt like I was on this journey and I didn't know where to connect. And I thought that's why I created my website and I created my Facebook page um, because I wanted people to realize when they do, when they do need something, there is other people out there going through the same thing and you can connect with other people that are going through hard times. Um, my breast cancer obviously is different to other breast cancers. And that's the other thing that, I always say is, you know, what kind of breast cancer do you have? Because there are many types of breast cancers, but mine was um, PR negative, HER2 positive and ER positive. And that is like a code. So it's not breast cancer. That's the code of what it is. And you get all different types of codes. So, you know, mine was estrogen driven. So I had a full hysterectomy last year, you know, to get rid of all of that. But it was more of a, of a journey that I was trying to create this awareness. Um, and that's how I feel when I did this uh, Pretty in Pink um, but in fight mode article. It was just to help others realize that there is, there is hope out there and there is other people going on the same journey as maybe someone else might be going through. You know, Ashley, I just want to say that, you know, your ability to reframe it and to turn things is incredible. Um as you say, these five years later being diagnosed with um, the liver cancer, but being able to say I hated the needles, but now I have the port. That's amazing. Um, my body's been sore, but now I have Pilates and I, I can move my body in a certain way, and that's amazing. Um, there's the breast cancer, oh, but now I'm going to have this initiative of the Pink Power Project, and and I, I, it's, it's just, it's just, it's, it's very inspiring to hear how you're reframing this. And I, and I really love it. Um, and I just want to just, just go back to what you said about there's some people who don't like to talk about it. You know, this show, that's what we do and we talk about it. And, you know, I come across people who are diagnosed and I want to connect them with the DL link, which is, you know, the organization that has this show and it's about supporting one another and there are a lot of people who who just don't want to they want to keep to themselves and it's so individual right everyone's going to deal with it in their own way so I suppose actually the question that I'm eventually going to get to is 
for you the first time you had it? Was it more of a, an, an, like an alone experience? You want to do, deal with it on your own? It sounds like with the second diagnosis that you were, you more out there and more wanting to help or am I, am I wrong? How, what was it like for you? Um, I think during my first diagnosis, obviously within the first, I think few months of going through it, it was processing it all. And I think like anybody who finds out that they've got cancer, you have to process it first. Um, and once I had processed it, soon after that, I created my Facebook page and I decided that I was going to put out there everything that was going on. I documented every chemo treatment. I documented every tear. I, I just said, right. This is what it is. I said exactly how I felt after chemo. I would write the next day so that I knew exactly how I felt and I put it onto my, um, my blog on Facebook. So I think from day one, I was very open about it. I, I think it was about two weeks after I found out, I put it on to Facebook to say that I had been diagnosed with breast cancer and I was open to it. Um, I didn't hide it. Um, and yes, there are times that when you go through something, you don't want to actually post it. And it was like my PET scan that I did last year. I did it and I was actually scared to post it because I didn't know what people would react to, you know, mm-hmm. seeing a scan and seeing seeing the cancer. Um, but now, six months later, I want to do a blog about it um, because it was something that I went through, but it took me time to process that. And now that I've got the courage I can actually say something about it. So I think that's how people do work. And I've met a lot of people on their journey that don't want to talk about it. And I've always said, I'm here if you want to talk. Um, and, you know, it's never a burden on anybody. A lot of people say, oh, you've got your own battles. I don't want to worry you with mine. It's not the case. We are all here to help each other. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the society of trying to lend a hand. Um nicest thing with the the school that my daughter's at the moms used to come and deliver food every time I did chemo and um, every night there was food being delivered my husband um, didn't have to worry about cooking he could worry about me and um, so it's a community of of people that you build up and if you don't have that community around you and the support and the love and um, I feel like you sort of go backwards in a way um and I've never been like that. I've always been open and saying, right, this is what I'm going through. These are the tears. This is the emotions. Um, and that's the part that I think is raw. It's the truth. This is how mm-hmm. life is going through um, metastatic breast cancer. It's mm-hmm. not a, I'm smiling, I'm happy, I'm running down the road. There are days that I'm lying in bed crying. There's some days that I'm up jogging. There's some days that I'm at Pilates. There's you know, all of those kind of things. But talking to people helps. My blog, yeah. me writing, it helps for me. So even if people do a journal and, you know, keep uh, documenting it, you know, maybe in six months' time they actually say, hold on, what I did there I'd like to, you know, put out there to the world. Um, and I think we need more of it. And um, Breast cancer has become such a young age now. A lot of people, um, when I speak to the oncologist, I say, you know, I was 32 when I found out I had breast cancer. Um, you know, at 32, I had a one and a half year old baby, recently been married. Um, it was just like, wow, this whirlwind of a journey. And mm-hmm. my daughter's had cancer in her life, you know, forever. She's heard mom talk about it, off to the oncologist. Oh, you've had this. Oh, you've had that. Um, 
and it's part of our life now. It's like if you're a diabetic, this is now yeah. our journey that we go on. Um, and that's what's um, the journey that I'm, I want to help others. And, you know, maybe if I can help three or four people, then I've done what I need to do. Yeah. Wow. Well, Ashley, thank you. Wow. Thank you for your time and thank you for sharing your story in it. And, and it just sounds like you are touching a lot of people. And, um, if anyone just very quickly before we say goodbye, if anyone wants to follow your blog or go to your website, can you just give us your URL for your website? What is it? Um, so my website is www.diaryofashley.com. Um, and my Facebook is Ashley's Journey with, um, NBC. Um, and at the moment, currently, we just ran the Pink Power Breast Cancer Awareness Project, which was basically people could buy um, ribbons to wrap trees in, in order to remind people about breast cancer awareness for the month of October. Fantastic. That's Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H. So if you want to follow Ashley, those are the details. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Just wishing you good health, good health. Um, thank you so much, and, eh? and healing and lots of love and healing coming your way. Thank you, Ashley. Take care. And thanks for, thanks for coming onto the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Bye-bye. Ashley Longoera, daughter, wife, mom, interior designer and fighter of NBC. And yeah, as I said, the art of the reframe of what she's done there, the giving back. I mean, don't we hear that time and time again? What an incredible story, an incredible woman. And here for, for all of us to hear and connect with and, and hopefully be inspired by that.